rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on One is offered as a podcast at rte.ie slash drama on one. And of course, here on RTE Radio One on Sunday nights. In 2006, Drama on One broadcast its series Seven Deadly Sins with plays from Anne Enright, Rebecca Miller, Edna O'Brien, Jennifer Johnston, Bernard Farrell, Moira Vacanti and Eugene O'Brien. Tonight's play is entitled Madame Cassandra, responding to the sin of envy and is written by Edna O'Brien. And just to note that the programme contains adult themes, strong language and elements that listeners might find challenging. Madame Cassandra stars Rosalind Linehan and is introduced by the author. There are seven deadly sins, Captain. Gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, pride, lust and envy. Seven. Envy. I think... I like to add one sin to the seven deadly sins, and it would be jealousy. Because jealousy is not the same as envy, which was Iago, for instance, in Othello. Was he jealous or was he envious? He was probably both. When Kevin Reynolds uh, asked me to write uh, for this eight or seven deadly sins series, I decided that many years ago, I had written a novel, The Country Girls, in which there's a character, Mr. Gentleman, who is loved by all and sundry, but especially by the young heroine, uh, Kathleen Brady. And as the years went by and myself went by, so to speak, I thought, what about Mrs. Gentleman? She never featured in the novel. I never thought of putting her in the novel. So this monologue is Mrs. Gentleman's story about her love and more than her love, her passion and perhaps as well her fear of losing Mr. Gentleman. I have for many years admired Rosalind Linehan, and that is the truth. But when I saw her in Happy Days playing Winnie, I thought she was just a stunner. And as every sensible writer in the world knows we steal from our predecessors. So Samuel Beckett's play Happy Days no doubt had some influence on my writing Mrs. Gentleman the way I have and certainly asking Rosaline to play it. And that's it because Rosaline will tell the rest. I've been perambulating for the best part of an hour. Luckily, I had my brolly to keep off that glaring sunshine. 
must be at least 23 Celsius. Are you playing? The earth is baked. Even the old weeds are passing out and the foxglove. I always love the way the bees snuggle into the foxglove, make themselves at home. Where the harebell grows and the foxglove purple and white and the shy-eyed delicate deer come down in a... Uh, 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 uh. Troop! Yes, a troop to drink. My, my, what a pretty caravan. So gaily coloured. And flowers, flowers. Steps painted in three different shades. Madame Cassandra. Beautiful and ancient. You know your mythology, I'm glad to see. It says no appointment necessary. But, madame, your door is shut. Your half-door is shut. And your heavy red curtain is drawn all along your picture window. Oh, you see, I'm a little weary finding you and so forth. Perhaps... I know what it is. You are expelling, if that is the word, the karma of the previous incumbent. And a good thing, too. I must say I'd love a glass of water. Or a glass of Angostura bitters. Such a thirst. Parched. Those ponies were quite frisky. Threatening. Youths, louts. And one or two caravans much drabber than yours. To tell you the truth, I'm quite breathless. I was over yonder for the last hour or so. I saw that you were occupied. I saw your sign and made myself a little scarce. The previous client, I happen to know her. We are neighbours. Her people's land abuts onto our avenue, which, of course, is more exclusive, what with our belt of trees, yews and cypresses that have flourished over the years. Good lady, I imagine that you're resting. It stands to reason. It drains you. When a young girl, may I say a buxom young convent girl, such as your last client was, comes all this way, it is usually pertaining to matters of the heart. Hmm? Vous comprenez? Hmm? What's she doing there? I am Mildred, wife of Gerhardt, Mr. Gentleman. My maiden name was Butler. We are descended from the house of the Ormonds. Our flower gardens and our fruit gardens were renowned. Open on certain summer days to the public and teas were served, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Mr. Gentleman wooed me in the kitchen garden, in and out between the raspberry canes and the loganberry canes. Many, it seemed, had set the cap on him. A young and eligible barrister set the caps on him to no avail. My heart was for the stage. Oh, I loved magic. Even at the age of six or seven, when my mother took me to the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin for the pantomime. <laughs> I played Desdemona in my boarding school. Othello, well, she 
he was somewhat uncouth. Oh, one who loved not wisely, but too well. So when I met Gerd, I was full of Desdemona, but not for long. <laughs> you see, my heart went on a 90-mile, what is it called, revolve. I lost my head. I waited for the ring of our garden bell. Oh, what a chirpy sound from that big, fat copper bell. Mr. G coming on any excuse, the flimsiest of excuses, in a suit or old dungarees, and always when least expected. How the heart registers these thunderbolts. Uh, yes, in and out between the raspberry canes and the loganberry canes. And would you believe it? Our dog, Hector, got so jealous he would bark and chase Mr. Gentleman in venom. And one day he took a great scoop out of the side of Mr. Gentleman's hand. And what did Gerhard do? He did a rather drastic thing. He kicked Hector into submission and brought him to heel. His pursuit of me was both adamant and delicate, which was why they thought him ideal. He always brought unusual gifts, little chocolate truffles or cherry brandy. He was one-eighth foreign, Norman, which perhaps added to his mystique. He proposed in a country churchyard, and it was dusk, and there was not a soul about. Just like the elegy. The lowing herds wind slowly o'er the lee. <laughs> a couple of nights before our wedding, he was in the library with my father. They'd become bosom friends, or should I say buddies. <laughs> they played backgammon, they reminisced, they drank port or armagnac. In those days I did not drink, slept like a baby. Whereas now the evening tipple is mandatory. I overheard them speak of women, how much they loved women. Idealised women, dilated on their necks, their sloping shoulders, their hindquarters, their ankles, all very detached, almost clinical. For instance, my father did not speak of my mother, Ethel. Not once. Stressing how certain pieces of music reminded them of their trysts with certain women... Either because the music was being played on a gramophone in some lady's drawing room, or perhaps some more obtuse reason. My father did not speak of my mother, Ethel. Not once. I could always tell when they had been intimate. Because in the morning, my father would be most imperious, quite snappy, munching his toast, crumpling his newspaper, and my mother a trifle foolish and obliging. I take you home again, Kathleen, to where? Madame, I know you are resting. Each seance, each session, call it what you will, must take a lot out of you. Reaching into the soul of the person and pulling out the secret, the secrets. Perhaps you pray. And death shall be no more, nor mourning, nor crying, nor sorrow shall be any more. I regard myself lucky to have found you, to have tracked you down. Now, where was I? Oh, yes, oh, yes! 
our wedding. It was beautiful. It was written up in more than one daily newspaper. The smell from the lily of the valley drenched the little country church. Our own lily of the valley at that. It was intoxicating. The choir, the hymns, poured into my Brussels lace. My husband could not take his eyes off me that June morning. I should like for a moment to say something about my husband's eyes. They are in the normal course of things as he pours over his papers and his briefs. They're not unlike an oyster, which is to say they are grey and somewhat impenetrable. But when, as for instance, our wedding morning, when the dart of Cupid has struck, they are opal, which is to say they have a flash of silver limbed with blue. I saw them then and many other times, and I see them now, and they are not on me. They are not for me. And it is awful. It is awful. Our honeymoon. Oh, well, it was sailing into the sunset. Pure bliss. Unadulterated bliss. There is no other word quite so appropriate or so nuanced. Devoid of affection or small talk. But which does one want more, bliss or affection? And moreover, I had brought a stack of books and the Aegean Sea, a palette of blues, and all those books about the ancients, the gods and the goddesses. What spitfires they were in their amorous intriguings. <laughs> Poor Dido! Oh, it was not a willow in her hand with which she bade her love to come again to Carthage. It was a sword on which she impaled herself. Poor, poor, poor Dido. The Egyptians were the first to master the art of clairvoyance. Not until Roman times was it connected to the stars, but... Good lady, you know all about that. Gods and goddesses in their shrines. People just like you in your painted caravan. I cannot tell you what a relief it is to be here, to be able to let off a little steam. Yes, it was bliss. The ever-changing light of the sea. And no dusk, just daylight and then darkness. Amorous dark. And when we came home, it went on being bliss. But life does stretch on, does it not? Like a great yarn. And married people have to get to know one another's habits, one another's... Gerhardt was in the city in his chambers all week and then Fridays he drove home and the welcome oh, I should say the host of welcomes the two dogs, my wolfhound and his red setter our little daft helper Eva, and myself all rushing onto the drive Odysseus did not have such a welcome at Ithaca, far from it. 
a delicious dinner with apple fritters or charlotte russe for afters. Later in the gloaming, we sat in the conservatory and discussed our week, the little highlights and the little lowlights. And he smoked a cigar, and I would have a taste. Yes, a taste. More than a puff. And Mr. Gentleman, well, he knew so much, so much more than me. And amazing how versatile even a cigar can be. Grand Marnier souffle Sundays before he took off for the city. Not a grass widow, but a barrister's widow. For our holidays, we never went abroad. We sailed. We loved sailing. And I came to love it. And with a windfall from a great aunt, we bought a small houseboat and named it after her, Violet Rose. We would set out from Athlone and come all the way down along the Shannon. So beautiful. The breezes, the reeds, the quiet. Endless preparations beforehand. Rubber cushions, rugs, the primer stove, methylated spirits, first aid kit, straw hats, rain hats, cream for the creepy crawlies. Scarcely speaking, just ambling along. And the smile, the smiles. What a lovely thing a smile is. Speaks multitudes. I lost two children very early on. He too was cut up. And above the little grave we kissed again with tears. Good lady, I'm lost. I'm most afraid. Quite by chance I came on it. A white shoebox, tucked into the folds of an evergreen between their fence and ours. A pair of slippers, Cinderella slippers in tissue paper. They were not my size. I have rather large feet. The following morning they were gone. Someone had removed them. And then again, I might have dreamt it. Yes, I even said to myself, you dreamt it, Millie. You fashioned this piece of mischief. You have been sleepwalking. You've walked down the avenue in your sleep. A sleepwalker. I became an archfisherwoman. He couldn't believe it. He said it was something to do with not just the lightness, but the poise of my wrist. I was a tad unpopular with all the other fishing folk. A witch, they called me. Of course, at first I did not know how to play a fish. I rushed it and lost several. But Gerhard schooled me, and before long I surpassed him. In the month of May... In the dapping season, we stayed out all day. All those millions and zillions of mayflies, the air scudded with them. Gerhardt said their courtship and their demise happened in the course of a single day. Poor mayflies. Nature's trick. Poor mayflies. Poor Dido. Oh, never give the heart outright. It is not that he is old enough to be her father, he's old enough to be her grandfather. 
I have read that men have cycles just like us women. We have cycles because of the presence of the uterus. Hence we are subject from time to time to hysteria. Whereas men's cycles do not answer to the womb or to the moon, but to their own dastardly whims. They simply go on and off the creatures they call women. Of course, anyone could have left the shoebox, any yokel or passerby. Of late, he stays out in the greenhouse till all hours, just like my father and his dog. My dog, I should say, Hector the Fourth. Yes, Gerhard stays there tending his vines, his cucumbers, and <laughs> his marrows, which cross-pollinate. Don't ask me how. He just places them side by side, next to each other, and somehow they cohabit, they breed. The saffron pollen wends its way to the opposite sex, and they canoodle, and they propagate. He rarely falls in love. Three times to my once and a half. A scandal occurred in his chambers in the forecourts. One morning, a junior happened to come in with a mound of papers, and the secretary, a Miss O'Hanloon, was where she should not be and engaged in some hanky-panky. <laughs> Fortunately, it was hushed up. He did not feature half-naked in a tabloid. The junior was quite sterling, but the overweening secretary, not so. I found the notes in his several pockets demanding a showdown with me. <laughs> it taught him a lesson. I will never leave you, Millie. I'll never leave you, was what he said. We went on a cruise for a reconciliation. Some of the wives had at least twelve changes of attire, and the jewellery, so ostentatious, so unnecessary. We sat at the captain's table. Mm, I did get tiddly once or twice. <laughs> the high heels and the ship's swaying did not help matters. When we docked for two days in a strange port, my husband played with children on the beach, a ball game. He and they tossed and kicked an orange ball. Strangers' children. Dusk-coloured children. <laughs> Certainly not white children. And they... loved him. You see, he has this... aura. It emanates from him by which people fall in love with him. They were seen... The buxom girl, the hussy who has just left your precinct, they were seen one evening of late out on the lake, were caught in a squall, had to take shelter. I learnt of it, as one always does, through a best friend, Rosanna. <laughs> I do have one card up my sleeve. <laughs> the most powerful card in the pack. One of our national poets, one of the triptych of greats, has said, a young wife's, or for that matter, a young convent girl's trump card is the young cunt, but an older wife has a more powerful card, a darker card, one we must not speak of. Oh, my back to the wall. 
the end of my tether, so to speak. Who are you, ma'am? What are you looking for? Are you with me, good lady? You must be. You are. I see your shadow beyond the door. Your shape. You do cards as well as crystal. I am familiar with some. The hanged man. The two are temperance, the scales of justice. He has no right to our gooseberries. None whatever. Our apples, our crab apples, our pippins, our pears, our marrows, our red currants, our black currants, our loganberries, our quinces, our green gages, our sugar plums, our medlars, our strawberries, our hops, our vines, our root vegetables, our harvests. Come on, ma'am, you better move off there. You're frightening the children. Please, please. I won't ask too much. Well, help me there, ma'am. I realise that it is a matter of some delicacy, of some discretion on your part. The Hippocratic oath or something akin to the priest in the confessional. You're bound to secrecy. All I ask is this. Being as you are, a seer, what did you see? Have they gone in deep? By that I mean... Oh, you know what I mean. You're right there, ma'am. He's not old enough to be her father. He's old enough to be her grandfather. Come with me, it's preposterous. It is absurd. It is unthinkable. I think of Dido and the little country church drenched with the lily of the valley. I think of my husband's opal eyes and the verse he wrote last anniversary. Twenty-two years and still my queen. I think, I think, I think. Good lady, open your door. Open your curtain, open it at once. I cannot wait a second longer. You understand? These lunch are approaching, they're laughing at me. The ponies are galloping like mad in troops. God, this is awful. Please open the door. If you do not open the door, I shall have to fight you. Help me. Kick it in. Let me in. Let me in. Come on, now, missus. Come on, I have to bring you off there. Come on, you're fighting the children. Come on, the dogs are there. The dogs are there. Go on, there, will you, please? Come on, come on. Come on, off with you. Off with you. Off with you. Set the dogs in there. Come on, come on. Missus, please, go on, will you? Come on. Come on, move off, will you? The dogs are going to bite you if you don't move off. Go on, go on. Go on, come on, will you? Come on, will you? I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Across the ocean, wild and wide. That was Madame Cassandra by Edna O'Brien. Rosaline Linhan played Mrs. Gentleman. The man was played by Michael Collins. RTE Radio Drama would like to thank Pavi Point, the travelling community in Finglas, and the travelling community in Morgan Place, Blanchardstown, where the location sound was recorded. Sound supervision was by Mark McGrath. Madame Cassandra by Edna O'Brien was produced by Kevin Reynolds.
And to listen back to Madame Cassandra and all editions of the Drama on One podcast, go to the website rte.ie slash drama on one. If you've been affected by the programme and would like to talk to someone, you can find information and links at rte.ie slash support. rte.ie forward slash drama on one.